This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we would agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergath. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Todd and Friends Podcast, brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Greg Snow sitting in for Todd Bergeth, and I love when Todd misses Tuesdays because Tuesday, again, we get to speak with Alan Horton, voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Alan, I hear you just got done with the shoot-around. Must have been a long one today. How'd it go? Well, uh, it went well. The shoot-around itself went well, and oftentimes after shoot-around, they'll finish things up by doing some uh, half-court shooting. There's a big pot on the line. Uh, you, someone's got to win it. Uh, without someone else matching it. And once they everybody misses, they start getting to the dregs of the team, like the radio guy and the TV guy and the, <laughs> and the, the uh, PR people. And so we all had to try a half-court shot. I can't tell you how long it's, it's been since I tried a half-court shot. And it, it was an embarrassing performance. Like, you just you think you can just, like, I don't know. I, I probably haven't thrown a half-court shot, like, literally in 10 or 15 years. Like, I just, it just never, I don't just do it. And, uh... I tried to change my mind midway through my shooting shot. I was like, I'm going to run up there and just flip it with my chest, kind of two-handed, push it with my chest up there. And then as I'm, as I'm just about to release it, I'm like, there's no, there's no way. I'm not getting it there. It's too far. The distance isn't right. My brain's like, no, you're going to embarrass yourself. So then I switched to kind of a baseball type, you know, try to, try to bring it back. But I'm already airborne. So now... I, I, I thank God there's no video of this event because was, it's one of the most awkward looking things I've ever I've ever seen. I was just going to ask you that is tw- is Twitter not allowed in there during shoot around? Uh, well, our social media teams they they are they're all filming stuff, but I, I think uh, I think we know when to not embarrass ourselves. So oh, it's a, it's an unwritten rule. We're not. Uh, I don't think anybody was filming, but um, if they were, they're no, that's not seeing the light of day. Oh man, that would be awesome, Alan. I would love uh, to have a, seen that. Awful. <laughs> Did Jim Peterson uh, or did Michael Grady win then? No, Michael Grady didn't uh, win either, and uh, and uh, Jim Peterson didn't win either. And so it was, um, you know, yeah, I don't even know what was on the line. Right, I don't know how much uh, pride. It, it probably would. It wasn't a lot for yeah. It was pride for us, but um, probably not a lot of money for the guys. But I think it might spend might have been a nice chunk of, chunk of change. It would have oh. uh, it would have been a significant payday. I think. I love that. All right, thanks for sharing that insight. That's stuff that we don't get to see ever. And we just no. don't know. And then you had to ride back and probably got ridiculed on the bus. Did you not? No, I didn't because everybody everybody was kind of all over the map. There was some embarrassing. I wasn't the only one. and so. But it's something I'll think about for, for a long, long time. So all right. it's well, good to talk about it. Well, lots of leads to this uh, story, Alan. So let's back up and let's talk a little bit about last game. Uh, Timberwolves stave off elimination. Um, how important and how critical to the future of the Timberwolves, despite whatever happens and what we talk about moving forward, how critical was that that the Wolves did not get swept last night for, for just a variety of reasons or last or I, I the other night? I guess it was just more psychologically than anything. Um, you know, you lose a series four one four zero four two. It, it really doesn't have, you know, I, I, any lasting impact. Um, it just it, it certainly would have looked bad and and, and feeling wise. I think from probably not from the players, but and, and maybe the front office because they see the bigger picture. But I think there is something to. Um, not being swept and just not feeling like you got completely dismantled in, in a four game series, in a seven game series, four games to none. Um, you know, and it's, and it, all, and it helps to have a great night for the fans at home, an entertaining night. It was a great game. It was close. I mean, you want those kind of things to continue. But I think big picture, it doesn't make a lot of difference. 
but uh, I think from the fans' perspective, it just just uh, it just it feeling better about things after winning yeah. at least one game. So twelve zero run. I I lived it through the TV, unfortunately, because I'm a visual guy as much as I am a radio guy. And uh, I'm watching Michael Porter hit these tough threes. Uh, talk mm-hmm. me through Alan Horton's field. Were you sitting there thinking to yourself, well, kind of a fitting way for the season to end, or were you thinking, nah, we're okay, we'll pull this out? Uh, no, I was. I was at one point going, it can't end like this, can it? This was. This was. I don't even think a fitting way to end. Uh, you know what would probably be termed as a disappointing season. I think this was even more tragic than the entire season has been. Yeah. It can't end like this, can it? I think that's what I said on the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, it didn't. I mean, Jokic probably cost them the game because I mean, even though he had 43 points, he missed a free throw. Yeah, that free that throw. That would have put them up. Oh. Um, and so I, I was just, it was stunning to see how quickly the lead was evaporating. It was a Jokic three, two MPJ threes, and then um, then Jokic with some free throws and then uh, i mean it was just it was crazy and the same oh. thing almost happened in overtime too where almost had the seven point lead you look at the clock and you're like going okay just play the clock yep. there are not enough possessions for them to come back but then Jokic rips down a rebound throws a baseball pass the length of the floor to jamal murray on the run that took about two seconds you're like holy cow now the clock is now back where they've got a chance and you're just like this is this can't happen um and uh, fortunately for the Wolves, it, it did not. It, uh, they held on for the win. Anthony Edwards with that tremendous shot, um, and so so you escape. Yeah, so play another day. You're right, and you uh, you go on the road now, back into Denver. And uh, I guess a topic for me, Alan, is um, Kyle Anderson ruled out. I I just don't see how the Wolves can handle that with the rotation. What did you see in shoot around today that's gonna gonna go forward with that? You know, it's um, I talked to Austin Rivers a little bit about this, and uh, you know, he's just it it. He, he just was flat out very honest about it, and I think um, this is sort of the same attitude that Chris Finch has taken with the team. They're great at acknowledging things. I think that's important when you're dealing with situations. You've got to acknowledge it, you've got to accept it, and then you can start to move on from it. Kind of like when you go through a process, when you deal with a trauma or you're grieving, you've got to go through the different stages, right? Um, it's the same kind of thing. And, and Austin was like, yeah, you know, it is a next up mentality, next man men up mentality. But you can't go to that before saying, you know what, that sucks. It sucks that Kyle Anderson got hurt. It sucks that um, that Nas Reed and Jaden McDaniels and Kyle Anderson are all out uh, for tonight's game. And now you can start to, once you acknowledge it, you can start to move on. And it's an opportunity for some other guys, including Austin, who I thought had a really good 11-minute uh, yeah. stretch. Yeah, he played great. Four. 11 minutes, he was a plus eight. He knocked down a three. He had five points. I mean, that was crucial stuff, playoff games. I mean, you're not going to score 20-plus points, but if you can knock down a three, even one single three can be huge. Yep. Um, and the, he knocked down one of the numerous corner threes the Wolves had. They shot the corner three really well in game four. Um, but I think, um, you know, it's, it's just very matter-of-fact. They've been through this all season. They've not had guys. They've not been 100% what, what seems like all season. Yeah, so did you see any role for Nate Knight tonight, or is, uh, are they going to go smaller with the Rivers and Noel? Well, I think they'll probably end up going a little smaller. Uh, Nate would certainly be an option, um, but I think you'll see, and, and he may be a bigger option if uh, if Towns or Gobert get themselves into foul difficulty. But I think um, I think you probably need some some smaller. Um, you know, Austin Rivers will get a chance. Jalen Noel, uh, maybe they give Jordan McLaughlin another run and see if he can kind of spark something, get him going. Um, you know, you've got your two rookies sitting there too, and Wendell Moore Jr. and Josh Minot, who haven't. Um, 
who haven't played any any rotation minutes. Uh, they played some garbage time in, in game one. But, you know, you might be able to get some spot minutes from them and just ask them to do a couple of different things, keep it simple, um, and, and, and maybe those guys get an opportunity here tonight. We'll have to see. Alan, can you explain to us, the casual, who watched Luca Garza have some great minutes this year, and can you explain to everybody of why he is not on the playoff roster and how that all works with those two-way contracts? Yeah, it's tough. If you're in a two-way contract, you are not eligible for any play-in or playoff games. Um, you can only use the designated 15 people on your roster, and the Wolves have had that 15-man roster uh, pretty jacked up. It's been filled the entire in, the entire season. So the only way you could make Matt Ryan or Luca Garza uh, available for the postseason was to transition them to one of those 15 spots before the regular season ends. And, you know, who are they going to replace on that spot? That's it, There weren't really any options. They still, even though Jaden... Uh, um, even though Josh Minot and Wendell Moore Jr. are not playing, uh, the Wolves still really high on both those guys' future, right. and they don't want to just release those guys, and somebody else can pick them up. So, um, yeah, it becomes difficult. Luca has shown some flashes. I think they're still high on him, um, and you know maybe going forward he's in a different situation by the time we get to next year. So he's not maybe in one of those two-way spots, and maybe is contributing and earns one of those 15 roster spots. So in, uh, in order for Luca to have had to been moved to one, they would have had to have released Wendell Moore, right? Or Josh Minot, is that correct? Or any of the 15 players, yeah. You'd yeah. still have to pay them, but you could, you'd have to waive one of them, yep. So they would have to go through waivers to get if you wanted to get them back even at a G League deal. Is that is that also correct? Uh, and there might be some rules about cutting a guy and then re-signing him. To, you know, your G League season is over, so right. you don't, you don't control any of those guys anymore. Uh, you'd have to wait till the like the off season, I guess, and sign them to a summer league deal. You know that kind of thing. So it's um, yeah, it would pretty much be just being waving bye bye. They okay. would be gone. I yeah. don't, I don't know if you'd get them back. So Alan, back to uh, Kyle Anderson. Then did uh, did it sound like today that this could be a lasting thing? Like maybe even through this, let's say the Wolves pull out tonight, we come back home. Could this possibly end up being more than just one game? You know, I have no idea. I have not heard any updates on how serious it is. Kyle's not with the team here in Denver. Um, probably, probably flying to thirty-five thousand feet is probably not a good idea when you have a you know some sort of eye injury or you know something with the elevation could make it swell or something. So, yeah. uh, I imagine he is back in the uh, in the Twin Cities, being uh, carefully taken care of. And and uh, I don't know if there's been any determination about how serious it might be for a possible game six. I I can honestly say, Alan, I've never seen a guy poked in the eye and then have blood coming out of it. I I mean that that's scary. Well, I, my wife was like, "Oh, come on," cuz she thought he, you know that maybe Michael Porter hit him hit him with an elbow or something. And then all of a sudden yeah. he gets up and there's blood coming out the side of the eye. Have you oh, ever boy. seen that in all your years of broadcasting? You know, I don't and usually we're not in a position um usually I'm watching it uh, I'm looking for replays on TV just like all the fans at home cuz since we're not very close to the action it's impossible right. to see, you know, that minute detail uh from distance, but uh, yeah, I have a fee- you know it's it's a pretty rare occurrence. It's you know it's it's interesting when you have that friendly fire that gets you too. I think yeah. Anthony Edwards' hand came down on him. Um, I'm surprised that doesn't happen more. I'm surprised when guys twist ankles and they come down to someone's foot. I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often with all the bodies that you've got, all the large bodies and large feet that you've got in the general painted area all the time. I'm surprised more things don't happen. So this is. Um, this is certainly, you know, you never want to see that. And, 
Uh, just a tough, tough break. And you know, I think Kyle was ready to stay in the game, too. Yeah. He initially came back on the floor. And then I think either Chris called, Chris Finch called a timeout or uh, something happened, but Kyle then had to go back to the locker room and he was done for the night. Yeah, and on TV you could see him say, I can't see. You know, and it's like, well, if you can't yeah. see, you can't play. Yeah. It's that simple. So uh, moving on to tonight, Alan. Um, it Jamal Murray, I thought, at his worst game, finally he wasn't hitting everything imaginable because it just feels like that he has still this vendetta against us because we should have drafted him instead of Chris Dunn. This is my own personal opinion. And he ended up being a nugget, and he just seems to go off against us. Is he the key to their success more so than Jokic? Because it felt like they were a different team uh, two nights ago. Yeah, I think um, that's been one of the ideas that when you play someone of Nikola Jokic's uh, ability, you know, he's so adept at scoring, he's so adept at passing and rebounding. Um, you want to try to cut away one of those options, right? You can't just stop him. You're not going to hold him to eight points. You're not going to hold him to four rebounds. You're not going to hold him to four assists. Uh, But you, you, you can kind of pick and choose how you want him to beat you. If that's, uh, you hope he doesn't beat you, but you'd rather make him a scorer than a distributor. And so I think if you can cut down on the assists, um, you know, he's going to get, he's going to be a constant. He's, he's just almost unstoppable. Uh, but I think you're right. If Jamal Murray is really, if, if Denver's at its best, Jamal Murray is leading the way. It's Murray and Jokic as a tandem and then everybody fitting in around them. I'm really interested to see tonight, you know, it's fun playing a series because you have so many adjustments and you just you get to see from game to game all these storylines kind of develop. You know, in game two, the Wolves had that great third quarter, and, they, and, and the talk after that was that, well, even though they lost that game, they found something in that third quarter. And, and my big question going into game three was, did they? Did they really find something, or did, did Denver, who was up by 21 points, did they take their foot off the gas? Because uh, they gave up that third quarter, and then when it got serious in the fourth, they put their foot back on the yeah. gas and closed out that game. And it turns out, I think it was more the latter. I think it was Denver taking their foot off the gas. Now I have the same question about Game Four because the Wolves. This was actually a competitive game. This was this was something we haven't seen in the first three games where Denver's been pretty much dominant. Um, did the Wolves find something? Did they get a comfort level? Are they now familiar with everything that Denver's doing, which happens when you play a team four straight times? Or did Denver just kind of have a bad night? And did ben, did Denver kind of not have everything clicking like they had the first three games? and maybe they come back in Game 5 and play exactly like they did the first three games, that's what's fascinating to me. Did the Wolves again find something, or did Denver just have a bad night? Uh, yeah, Jamal Murray was held in check. Nikhil Alexander-Walker has been fantastic. Oh, he was great. Yeah, he's great. And uh, But when Je- they're going to work really hard to get Nikhil Alexander-Walker off of Jamal Murray because when uh, Nikhil is the primary defender, Jamal shoots 22% in the series. Against every yeah. other Wolves defender, he's shooting 57%. So... Uh, <laughs> It's, they're going to run a ton of screens and try to get the matchup that they want. But um, and that, that's the biggest thing to me tonight is, did Denver really have a bad game, or did the Wolves really rise up and, and start doing some things? I mean, I think both can be true, but we're going we're gonna to get a definitive answer, I think, in Game 5 tonight. All right, Alan, I'm going to take you. we got about four minutes left, and it might take all of it, but I'm going to give you as much time on the floor as possible here to take <laughs> us back down memory lane. I know you're an NBA fan, and I'm sure you watched last night. Jimmy Butler, fifty-six points. Take yeah. take us back from a from the radio guy's perspective to four and a half years ago, when this all went down. Oh, what could have been for the Wolves? Every time we see him do this stuff, we think, oh, what could have been for us? Give us your take on what all went down a few years back. 
Well, I, I think my biggest takeaway is that what happened uh, it, with the Wolves and Jimmy Butler and it not working out and thinking that, boy, like thinking now that uh, had we just had Jimmy and it had it all worked, it could have been great. Chicago felt the same thing when they had him. Minnesota felt the same thing when they had him. Philadelphia had the same thing when they had him. Um, and, and now he's on to his fourth stop in Miami. Um, and it hasn't always been smooth sailing for them there. And, and while he had a huge game and they are up three games to one on the number one seeded Milwaukee Bucks, um, you know, they haven't, you know, they've, they've still got a long way to go. It was yeah. a great night for Jimmy Butler. He showed you why he's an upper echelon uh, player. But, um, you know, sometimes you bring guys together and the fit is just not there, whether it's on the floor or in the locker room. And it was pretty clear after, um, you know, halfway through that season that Jimmy arrived and into the, you know, when he got hurt late in the spring and the team started losing, they had been up to fourth in the West. They dropped down to eighth. Um, and then they, they just got blown out by Houston in five games in the postseason. Um, and then all the turmoil in the offseason was just I, I think that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me is just that after that season and Jimmy said he was done and wasn't coming back and wanted to be traded, um, it, something should have been done. You never should have started the season with with Tibbs trying to make it work. Just Tibbs just trying to jam a square peg in a round hole yeah. just, and trying to get Jimmy to come back. He comes back. We waste the next season. The first 10 games were just a dreadful. Remember General uh, Soreness? General Soreness came out and that <laughs> became a thing and uh, it was just it, it, it should have been ended in training camp. Never even should have gotten to the Rachel Nichols interview and him coming to practice and showing everybody up. I mean, it's just that was a disaster. Alan, That's where you need Alan, yeah. was it more of a financial issue or was it a personality issue? Well, I still have a hard time believing Jimmy is he, he was not up for any kind of an extension or, or, or a max deal. He had to wait one more year and then he would have gotten a max deal. But I think, I think it did irk him that both Wiggins and Towns were on max deals and making more money than him, and he felt like he was the better player. But when that happens, it, it's all tied to the to, to the CBA. It, it, you're, you're 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 hamstrung by the contracts you're given. You signed it. You got to live it out. And then he, the only way the Wolves could have done it was blow up their entire roster. They literally would have had to clear almost every player off their books to give Jimmy a max, and then try to re-sign people. Then that doesn't work like that. So I have a hard time believing that he was. It was so much about the financial part of it. I think that did irk him, but it couldn't have been. He couldn't have expected the Wolves, any team, to blow up their entire roster just so they could give him a max deal one year before or one year or two years before his contract ended. Uh, but I do think that there was uh, uh, midway through that season they realized that Jimmy was button heads with Carl, with Andrew, and maybe some other people too. It just was not. It was just not going to fit. There were different personalities. Uh, guys go about their work in different ways, and Jimmy is unique in that way. Um, he's an ultimate competitor, and he works. Yeah, he works extremely hard, but he does. He likes to do things a certain way, and that uh, that was always a conflict there. So I think it had to do with personalities and, and maybe a little bit of the money. But again, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing. The money will take care of itself at that level. Yeah, and if Tibbs couldn't fix it, who was a Jimmy Butler guy, then nobody was going to be able to fix it. And Tibbs even said into the beginning of the next year of we have to do something. This isn't working. Well, and it was and then the next it was just a wasted next year too yeah. because Tibbs got himself fired midway through the year. Yep. But I remember in, clearly in Sacramento and I'm I'm saying on the air this just isn't working. This is this is this is a lost cause. You're now 10 games or I don't even know how many games into the season before they traded them. I thought it was uh, 20 some. Yeah, but you're yeah, right. It started so early. 
we carried Tom Thibodeau post game. He's like, something's got to change. And I was the, thankfully something you hear the big man say that the guy who's in charge of both the team and the front office, um, which is which is again another reason why you don't want to give someone the power of being coach and front office, yep. uh, you know, in charge because uh, one opinion then rules the roost, and you don't have anyone else there to challenge that opinion. Um, and that Sacramento game was the last game he played. Scott Layden was on the phone that night and worked the deal with Philadelphia. And I think it was announced like two days later or one day later. It's, uh, it was, it was just a bad end. But you, you know, once you get yourself in those situations, you have to be willing to, to, you, you can't sacrifice any more time. Time is something you don't have as a player, coach, front office executive. If, if things have gone poorly, you make a mistake for whatever reason it didn't work, you move on from it and you learn from it. And, and the Wolves didn't do that. They should have cut ties in the summer and then attacked that next year um, and, and given themselves a chance that next year. Pretty much submarine the entire next season, and you can't be throwing away seasons. Alan, thank you so much, and good luck on the call tonight, and I hope you got at least one more game after tonight left in you. So uh, good luck to the Wolves. Yep, Greg, appreciate it as always, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, that's Alan Horton here on today's Todd and Friends podcast, brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hope you all have a wonderful Tuesday, and good luck, Wolves, tonight. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.